Welcome to Startup Start Now podcast with your host, Sharina Shib, a podcast aimed to showcase real and relatable entrepreneurs, side hustlers, and their mentors all living in the UK. Welcome to episode 33, everyone. I hope you guys are keeping really well. So I'm in busy dissertation season. I've got about a month left on my female founders research, um, focusing on female founders in the UK. And this week I'm joined by such a fantastic female founder, Steph Douglas, the founder of Don't Buy Her Flowers. Uh, They're a company which focus on thoughtful gifts, no matter what the occasion. And they have these lovely little kind of gift box ideas where you can tailor exactly what you want to put in there no matter what the occasion is so you know whether it's a pregnancy gift it could be a wedding it could be a teacher gift obviously the main focus at the moment is father's day and I definitely know that during like the madness that I've had for the last two years um, the gifts that have mattered the most are these little care packages and shout out to my friend Vicky who sent me my last little care package which just had lots of little bits in there which made me feel so good from like bubble bath to a pair of socks to some hot chocolate and obviously alcohol just what you need (laughs) to get by so especially when you're thinking of a loved one um i know i've got my father's day gift sorted so happy days um and steph and i were able to meet a couple of weeks ago i was talking at the bt tower and it was really really lovely to then meet her afterwards and just talk about her business and get to know her a little bit and i really hope you find today's episode super useful as always if you do please leave a five star rating on apple podcasts enjoy the episode So welcome to Startup Start Now, Steph. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of talking a little bit about your business, how we were introduced to each other. Um, How's your day been so far? What have you been up to? So far, uh, three kids got dropped off. We've just come out of the Easter holidays. So there's some relief there, I'll be honest. Um, So yeah, one at preschool and two at school. So it's always quite, the mornings are quite chaotic, but Doug, my husband was around this morning, so we kind of tag teamed it. I went for a run first thing. Well done. Always makes oh, it just starts everything off slightly better to get out, and it's sunny, so that means everything's way so better than better. it was a couple of months ago. <laughs> How was Easter? Um, kind of balancing business and kids at home you know, and everything. So for the first time in, so I started Don't Buy Her Flowers seven and a half years ago. For the first time, I took orders off my phone, so. Ooh. I just realized so I've been trying to, I think I turned 40 last year and I think you something happens and you kind of start doing therapy and trying to learn more about who you are and why you keep making the same mistakes. Like for me, that quite often is getting overwhelmed. And mm. I I took orders that all the emails that come through with the orders on off my phone because I realized that for seven and a half years, every single day, wow. I have known as they come in, because I've checked, you know, you check your phone all the time or it pings yeah. or whatever. And that's not good. Like I need to know that information, but I don't need to know mm. it as it happens in the moment, seven and a half years in. Because actually, if it's quiet, that causes you stress because you're immediately, yeah. going, oh God. And if it's busy, you're also like, are they operationally coping? Which I mean, they are, they've been brilliant, but or, or shit, how do I keep it to that number? 
So mm. it's just a, that's not a noise you can do real time constantly. So I haven't put it back on my phone yet. So mm. I, and it, it, it is good because you can obviously it comes up with Nate. So sometimes you'll spot like a celebrity or company, but the team are doing that as well. It doesn't require mm. me to to do that so I think that actually is quite a healthy thing to have done staff I love how we've probably been talking for about three minutes and we've gone straight into business <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> no no it's brilliant and I guess how many days did it take you to adjust to not kind of picking up your phone and going to look for the orders yeah just it feels very straight I've realized what a noise that is it, it's mm. quite it's a quiet my phone is obviously quieter because I get plenty of emails but that makes up for a lot of the emails um so yeah I think it's a good balance I've definitely got so many questions later on about how you balance your kind of social media your podcasting your business kids and everything and then yeah I feel like just kind of managing social media is is a minefield but we'll get into that at startup start now we always like to kind of understand a little bit about your journey sort of where you grew up what your schooling life was like so yeah tell us a bit about that Okay, I grew up in Gloucestershire in Stroud. So that's where my warehouse is. So most of my family is still there. I've got five brothers and sisters. Um, my dad was a solicitor and then became a vicar. So it's quite a fun, <laughs> eclectic <laughs> childhood. Lots of kids in and out and wow. sort of constant chaos and noise. Um, but I learned a lot. They did fostering and adopting as well. So I think that probably I could have had quite a kind of, I mean, I did have a very lucky upbringing but Mm. I could have been quite sheltered from how other people live and their family situations but actually because of that I had uh, insight into not everyone was the same as me really Mm. Um, and yeah I went to school and was a a good student I was kind of top of the class for most things went to a big comp um, probably could have worked a lot harder but I'm okay with that I think it's like I, I think the pressure is very different now. Like I've got a mm. goddaughter who's like, it's all A stars. And it, we didn't have A stars when I was doing my GCSEs. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 but, and I was, I worked, I actually had three jobs by the time I was 15. So I was, wow. Yeah. Which I hadn't really seen the significance of until more Tell recently. us what they are. So I was a cleaner. I had two houses, sometimes three on like a little estate that I used to go and clean after school. And I was a Saturday girl at a cafe. Um, so waitressing, cleaning up, all of that, taking orders. Well done. I was not particularly good, but one of my best mates who actually now works with me at Don't Buy Her Flowers, she um, also worked there. So we had this job together and also stacking shelves, which I also did with her. That's my friend Pam, uh, stacking shelves in boots. So I don't quite know how I fit that in. And I mean, maybe that's why academically I did well, but I probably Hmm. could have done better. But again, that's kind of like your, you know, just even by having those part-time jobs, you're out meeting people, you, you know, you're earning your own money. Yeah. Um, And I think that's so important. And you say, Stroud, um, my brother's recently just moved to Gloucester. He's now working for the NHS. And I went to Stroud three days ago for the first time oh, so it's beautiful I should have come and said hello if we've yeah. done this podcast yeah <laughs> no yeah our warehouse is great there and it and it is beautiful like, and the surrounding area is beautiful my my parents were so like why beautiful. don't you come here and when we go with the kids it's lovely because they've got loads of cousins there and everything but we live near rich uh, we live in Richmond and ah, okay. it's also lovely here like it's different you're not in the countryside but I I like London I like yeah. being here so Hustle we'll and well, maybe one day but I, yeah. So that's really interesting. So what that journey is a couple of hours, is it? Yeah, two hours, 100 miles. 
Um, yeah. But I quite like it. I get in the car. You can have podcasts on. I have my snacks yes. and a cup of tea. And it's like, I don't mind driving. So I'm, it's, I'm, I'm happy to do it. exactly the same. I think people are like, oh, wait, but your business is an extra. You live in like Cambridge and London. Like, how does that work? And it's yeah. like, I really enjoy me time in the car. Yeah. And just, it's a chance to catch up with friends over the phone. Or yeah, said, always, always. I've got a certain friend who'll be like, are you driving today? And it'll be like <laughs> half seven in the morning because I always have to leave really early to miss the traffic. And we have a catch up. It's great. Great. Brilliant. That's how yeah. it should be. Yeah. Amazing. And I guess you also mentioned your father was a vicar. So were you, you and your family sort of quite well known in, in the area then? Um, so he, it was when I was 11, he became a vicar. And I, to, if I'm really honest, I was just really embarrassed. So I wasn't very nice. We, we were like, it's just, you know, you're like at school in a big comp um, that's pretty secular, really like the one week once a week there'd be the religious assembly and my dad would always threaten that he was going to come and do that and that was like no <laughs> nobody wanted to go to the religious assembly and if we were like misbehaving you're like well you know I'm going to contact the school and see if I could come oh. and he's like no so we weren't particularly supportive and well no I think we just didn't really you know it's just he's a vicar it's embarrassing why could you not be a postman or a um, and it wasn't he wasn't embarrassed oh, bless him. but he'd always have his dog collar on so you couldn't so he's you know you, you can miss it yeah okay. oh, yeah one brilliant. of my mates always says she remembers me going I've got something I need to tell you and I did it like a confessional <laughs> telling her that my dad was a vicar I think it's just because it makes you stand out and kids are mean and it's like religion mm. is something that people can be mean about so but it, they were really good my parents didn't force it on us like obviously as kids we went to church and hung out in Sunday school and stuff but they didn't there was no expectation really mm. yeah I think that's kind of how I've been brought up at home so we're we're Hindu as our religion right. but dad but we went to Church of England school being down in Devon obviously there's no um temples here and I think just kind of my dad's always been like you know just be really open to religion whatever you want to follow you want to follow and I think the more he didn't sort of push us that way the more curious I became so now you know mm. I am a practicing Hindu so yeah. amazing I think it yeah I think it's the right way to go isn't it as a parent I guess that's probably the same for loads of parenting don't if you push it on them they're just gonna go no thanks absolutely yeah no I think it would have definitely gone the other way amazing so you've got your three you know your part-time jobs you're Mm -hmm. doing well at school father's a vicar (laughs) did you end up sort of what did you end up doing then did you go to university or did you enter the work yeah so so I went to I went to do A level. So I didn't I never had a year out or anything like that. I went straight through to A levels and then straight from A levels to uni. And in my second year at uni, I went to a talk, which was probably one of the few sensible things I did. It was a careers talk, and it was something to do with GCHQ and the Government Information Communication Service, which I don't it doesn't exist now. But it was um, all about communications and PR and that kind of area. And I just was like, oh, I could do that. And I contacted, um, they had a Cardiff arm. I was at Union Cardiff and I contacted them to say, if see if I could do some summer work between my second and third year, just like a couple of weeks um, work Proactive. experience. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's quite strange because there was lots of things I wasn't like that, but this thing I did and I went to their Bristol, they had a bigger office in Bristol mm. and I went there and then they agreed for me to do a couple of mornings a week when I was back in Cardiff in the Wales office and it was like doing paper clippings, like PR stuff. So literally going through the paper. I mean, this would all be done electronically. It suddenly makes yeah. me feel really old. <laughs> going through the papers and circling like, oh, that's Department of Work and Pensions. That's Home Office. Circling all the yeah. stories because it was government communications. Um, and then straight from uni, I got a job in the Bristol office. So I, 
yeah so I was working and but it wasn't it wasn't particularly hard but I was just it's just learning the basics of what happens in an office how mm. what's the hierarchy of an office how do you answer the phone like all that stuff yeah um and then organizational skills and yeah, yeah and then went into PR and um yeah PR and press office work in Bristol after straight from uni and how long did you do that for so of civil service I did a two or three years there and then I wanted the bright lights of London so I went and and so I went to the central office of information or the COI which again was absolutely massive so of all the Mm. advertisers they were the second biggest after I think Procter Gamble Procter and Gamble or Unilever they were the second biggest spend because it was all of the government spend that related to marketing and print and everything else came through Mm. COI so it was a massive place with huge budgets and I was given like quite big roles like um managing the Welsh Assembly's um smoking ban which came in before England and stuff like that like I mean I don't know I didn't know what I was doing particularly but I was I was willing to work really hard yeah and and it was all communication and people and marketing and I and I slowly got more into campaign and marketing and advertising rather than Mm. just the PR so I ended up with this kind of really broad knowledge that I don't think many jobs give you because it was Mm. across all the different elements of campaign rather than just PR or just advertising so yeah I guess that's really sort of relevant to you know what you're doing now but you know going back to kind of the bright lights of London yeah um, (laughs) so I think that's kind of everyone gets sucked into that I certainly did after uni and yeah yeah. it did it did it live up to expectations I guess with you living in Richmond now well, I was having a great time because I was young and had energy and <laughs> didn't have any children. And we, and it was very sociable. The COI was really sociable. Loads of lovely people. It was a real lifer's job. A lot of people went there and would be there for a long time. So the community feel of it and the mm. camaraderie and all that stuff was really lovely. And you were sitting between the agencies, whether that's PR, advertising, digital, whatever, and the government clients. So you had this funny middleman role which yeah. actually gave you experience of both, but it, I don't, I th- and that was, yeah, ma- the learning from that job was huge. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, having to put together presentations to sit in front of a minister or like quite high level government officials. So again, it, and I, I look back and think, God, I had such confidence, even though I knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't know you don't when you're yeah. nothing. You don't really know what it is to be nervous. You know what you're nervous of because it's just. Mm. And so as you get older, you realise the stakes are higher. Or um, so yeah, that was a really good. And then I went on to I ended up at EDF Energy doing um, the uh, the Olympic sponsorship, which again was all working on sponsorship, but also working across all the different fields of marketing and advertising and trying mm. to pull people together. That became my thing to to integrate all the different bits of marketing and and get all the agencies working together so again it was very much people based and driving things forward that's what I became my job definitely and being able to kind of take this message and convey it to the customers and yeah 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 and that's incredible and you know did you and then kind of when did don't buy her flowers when did that idea and that when was that baby born so I had my first baby in 2010 um, and I, ju- I just wasn't really prepared for it. I was 29 um, and among my kind of London friends, I was one of the first because I think my friends in Gloucestershire had all started doing it a bit earlier. And I, 
I just found it really overwhelming and it was much more challenging than as I was, I was expecting. I guess I hadn't really thought about it and emotional and overwhelming and all that stuff. And I flowers kept turning up and I just had no idea that I just hadn't even really thought about, oh, gifts come when you have a baby. Yeah. And I'm kind of sitting on the sofa, just feeling all of the feelings and uh, emotional and everything else. And these flowers kept turning up. And I just was like, that is a really strange. At first, it was really exciting. because it was for me, you know, it was something for me. There were bits coming for the baby. And that was the thing that people wanted to. Yeah. But, you know, it was all really well meant. It was really kind of them to say, oh, this is for you because they want to thought of mum. They know that she's done quite a big job. But actually, you've got to look after flowers. You've got to. It's just not a very thoughtful gift. It's like you're giving someone something to do that yeah. is really traditional. So there's no, you know, wh- why wouldn't you have thought of anything else? But it's just another thing for them to look after and then feel bad about when there's too many bunches and they don't have enough vases or, you Absolutely. know. Having to just, chop off the stems, put yeah. feed in, kind yeah. of, yeah. And actually <laughs> now... Uh, having spoken to lots of customers because because we're now much more than new mum gifts but that's what we started at and now you realize there's loads of occasions where that's the same thing like it's another thing to do and actually what you could do is a bit of TLC so I that was 2010 and and when a friend would have a baby then lots of friends started having babies and I would send them something that was for them not for the baby quite specifically it would be like chocolate and magazines or whatever and a note just saying it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, and you're doing really well and just lots of encouragement. And they were so overwhelmed that mm. they would, like one friend, I've mentioned this before, but one friend, a couple, I think I'd left them like a lasagna on their doorstep or whatever, never go in. I'd left it on the doorstep and with the note and everything else. And they bought me a massage in return. And I was like, <laughs> okay. financially, like economically, that doesn't even make sense. You've spent way more on me. But they were so like, oh, that was in that moment. They were so grateful. Yeah. Uh, oh, that is really me, thoughtful. That gives me goosebumps. It just, well, it's just, it's it's a really difficult time. And I, I, I occasionally you get a woman who says, oh, I love that bit very very occasionally and actually most of the time I don't think I really believe them I think it's really tough it's tough on your relationship it's tough on your body however the baby comes whatever your circumstances are it's a big deal so that was yeah. very much the core of the idea it was like what could you send someone and I just was looking around again but they're all getting flowers and they're all going god this is a bit shit yeah. it's like what could you give somebody that is just going to give them a bit more support and let them know that you've actually thought what do they need because if you're giving them like tea and biscuits, even it doesn't even have to be expensive or bit, then yeah. you know that they are going to need that and they're going to enjoy that. And it mm. can, or it could be cashmere socks or it could be luxury. Like you can go into all the other things that we do and we do loads of amazing products, but it's all about offering some TLC. Yeah. And that's what the very initial the first care pa- package we did was called the care package, which we still do. It's still one of the most popular. And I think it had, it's changed slightly, but it had a magazine and flapjack and tea and a scarf. And it I was like, that. this is for you. It's a care yeah. package and it's all about you. And yeah. And, and that was the beginning really. And again, did, you know, so you've had your first child, you've, you've thought about this idea. Did it start out as a, as a side hustle? Was this kind of, I know you said you were, you know, gifting other mums presents. How how did it sort of go from an idea to then become a business? So it wasn't it wasn't overnight, and I always want to stress that because I think there's a big pressure on women to use their maternity leave, you know, to to, to turn some yeah. yeah, and that's 
am I allowed to swear because I have of course you can <laughs> well that's for to me that's bullshit because you it's not that's not a quality you're just layering another thing on someone's supposed to do yeah and actually I think maternity leave is really important I think we're getting it wrong at the moment where we're sort of like oh we've got to get back yeah um and because your, your brain and your body is all over the shop so I um had an, I went back to work after a year I had another I was basically practically pregnant so nine months later I went off again and all the while the idea was kind of burning around I think going yeah. back to work especially after having a second baby I was like this is really hard like the juggle the getting into town the yeah. getting back on the last tra- you know getting back on the train and you're just the last person there to pick up your kid and the guilt and the stress of mm-hmm. two of us doing that trying to juggle it um, and the idea just w- wouldn't really go, but also it just was becoming more and more clear. The more friends are having babies, the more I was thinking about it. It's like, this would be a really good gift. I wasn't even really thinking this would be a great business. It was more like this works, isn't there, you know, on, on loads of levels. And so it was after my daughter who is now nine. So she was one and my eldest was three, I think, but I'd gone back to work and I, I, I had, so the idea was kind of building a bit and I was starting to write a business plan and really think of how it would work and it went through lots of iterations at that point because it's like what is it that you could send and yeah. then I started a blog and it was called sisterhood and all that and it was all about motherhood and relationships and I was I started that because it didn't feel like such a leap as starting a business because I I'd never thought I was going to run a business I didn't have any idea how to do it and I had a job that was they allowed me to go back part time and it was you know it was working I just didn't have the same passion for it I think Mm. as I had and so I started the blog and it went really well like I was getting posts were going viral I wrote about being really resentful when I was a new mum and I wrote about how challenging it was on my relationship and not knowing who I was and really honest but usually with some humor in as well and my I think that gave me the confidence that I could do this thing and I didn't have a newborn so I had got back to work and I was getting myself back and also Doug was like I think there's something in this because if people were relating to what I was saying about motherhood being quite challenging or it being challenging on your relationship it made sense that a gift that was all about them and TLC worked so I it think kind of all came together yeah I think what's really interesting is is what you're saying is obviously like at the moment now there are articles around that talk about this quite openly and you know pe- people are more willing to share the experience of childbirth now with the kind of wave of feminism and yeah. all of those things but back then no. that was still a taboo I mean it's probably only just not become a taboo for about two three years I, I you yeah. know you tell yeah. me what you know so. yeah no so it's, it's, it's well it's so it's so it's eight god I think it's eight years um which yeah there were there's lots of writers now like you've got hurrah for gin and the mumsy mum and people who they all we all know each other pretty well because we were all starting blogs at the same time and they're lovely like there's a whole group of really top women mm. who a lot of who have then now just totally into doing writing yeah who were just starting to write about it more honestly and mm. the reception for that was huge because mm. people were like yes I I don't I can't live in a perfect house and I don't want to do crafting and yeah. I'm not enjoying every minute and you still get it now I, a lot of people when they're further down the line will say to someone with a new baby oh you must cherish every moment because in hindsight it goes really quickly and you mm. kind of go oh god they were this gorgeous bundle and now they're this teeming thing of hormones <laughs> and it's like but 
a lot of women just seem to forget that. And I think maybe that's my superpower is that empathy to rem- I really remember what it was like. And like, if a friend now has a baby, I will do whatever I can not to overwhelm them with, you know, but just to note that they know that I'm around and that they can go, shit, mm. this is really hard. And that like my best mate had a baby um, last year and it was her first. And she was like, oh, my God, I get all the stuff you've ever said now. Because she'd yeah. obviously read stuff I'd said, but couldn't quite relate to it. And yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, it's important. But yeah, that has changed massively. Yeah. And sort of what you're saying in terms of, um, you know, your friends back home were having babies earlier. So um, one of my best friends, Sophie, she's very open to talk about this, but she actually suffered really badly with postnatal um, mm. her first and her second. Mm. Um, and actually, I kind of wish I knew about your brand at the time just to mm. and kind of I hope I wish, you know, she had a child um, several years ago, but just to kind of know how to to manage that process and be there to help apart from you know just being a good friend on the end of the phone so yeah yeah, so that that's that's brilliant and I guess kind of um so you you know thinking of the idea you then uh almost sort of side hustling still doing your your part-time bringing up the children um and then who was your first customer do you know I think it was my brother which is really interesting (laughs) because he now works with me so I so the first few orders were like yeah my husband my if you look I I looked back not long ago was like one of my mates but I I so I so I started the blog in the February I left my job in the May and then I kind of had the summer and I we launched the website in the November um and yeah so my first first very first customer was my brother who is our head of operations so um yeah which is lovely but that's it, nice keeping it the family yeah yeah well and two of my best mates from home who are my bridesmaids from school they are head of customer services and head of the, you know in charge of the warehouse so yeah it's it's I think um I think there's a lot said about not working with friends and family definitely and it's more it more depends on who they are and who you are what your personalities are like there's loads of friends and family that I couldn't work with and we all you know we would all openly say that but the particular people that I work with they they're brilliant, but also they care in a way that I would really struggle to find if I was just putting out a job ad. You know, like like mm. Pam, who's our uh, who I used to work with at Boots and in the cafe. She um, man heads up the warehouse, and the the warehouse team love her, which I think is quite unusual in a warehouse setting. And they all like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and driver, always, kind of. yeah, and and also it's just probably quite can be quite monotonous, you know. Um, in that kind of factory line role but they they love her and especially it's really interesting especially the ones who are maybe a bit older and have worked in other places because they're like it's so lovely here it's so supportive and she's doing amazing things and she she came and started packing a few hours and the business has obviously changed a lot in the last few years and we really grew during the pandemic so um, her role has really changed but she's she's great at it and I, I don't think I could have found somebody who cares so much about getting orders out getting them right making sure the team are all working hard so that you're not pissing money away on mm. people standing around like she's really on it um which I yeah I've seen your Instagram I've seen you guys are having competitions of who can pack the fastest I mean <laughs> Pam and Chaz my brother they had because Chaz <laughs> When I first took on chairs, it was two years in. So I ran the business. In, I did everything from my house and I did right. everything myself. And he, in a jokey manner, once said, oh, I could run the business from here in Gloucestershire when I was down there visiting family. And I was like, 
uh, and I came away and I think I said to Doug, like he could, he could do that. He'd had various jobs that I knew meant that he would be able to manage it, but also I trust him and I, it was a big step to move it out of the house Lovely. and to find a warehouse or space around where I live in London was just so expensive. It was completely impossible, mm. but we were taking over my house because, you know, there was more stuff and orders were going up all the time. And I was like, I can't do this. So it was a big, that was my, a big gamble in a way, mm. not only working with my brother, but also then having to find him a full-time salary and all that stuff, but it, it completely paid off. I've just got this visualization of you know your living room having racking shelves of like magazines and flapjacks and all of that and taking the kid like dropping the parcels off myself to the local parcel shop and the kids in the back like stacked up with parcels and all of that and and when we took it all out the house you realize how invasive it had been which I wouldn't change it it was completely right for me to not have costs I hadn't taken investments so I needed to keep costs really low yeah um but it was quite a strain in a way. And have you taken investment? No, since? not yet. No. And and so we obviously, it the business quite quickly, we had people wanting to send packages for other reasons, all always that, that thoughtful and TLC, but it could be bereavement or get well, or actually birthday has now become our biggest occasion, which is amazing because obviously that's mm. happening all year round. Yeah. Um, and so that started to change and then it was kind of a case of looking at what you know what we're going to do next and we'd start to think we every time we started to think about investment something would happen and we'd get an Mm. you know another massive boost and then in March 2020 is that right yeah March 2020 the (laughs) pandemic famous date (laughs) yeah the lockdown was in was announced and just went off like we were doing 600% up on the previous year consistently and we kept saying I think it's just gonna be this week and then it will slow down because we kind of there was no we had at that point five years of of quite um clear data of like the growth and it was all quite predictable which meant yeah stock and staffing and all that stuff and then it all went completely out the window in a really good way, but also really challenging, obviously, for the team, mm. whilst trying to make everyone feel safe, because that was the other, the psychological stuff going on for every individual was Definitely. absolutely massive. And that was my biggest role, I think, mine and my brothers, to to let everyone know that we could, they could tell us what they were worried about. And if they yeah. didn't want to come in, that that was OK, all that stuff, whilst trying to manage the mm. huge influx of orders. I think that's really interesting because obviously like, you know, every single person has been affected during that time, but actually, you know, whilst the business is doing well, as you said that there, there was lives to look after and, you know, mm. operationally things to, to continue. Um, you touched a little bit on about kind of times of the year. What, you know, what do you, what have you done to continuously keep sort of innovating? So we, obviously so went from gifts for new mums and then it was more gifts for women but for lots of occasions then we introduced a a man package um I think it must have been about two or three years in because a customer messaged and was like well my my brother-in-law is in hospital and I want to send him something like your care packages but there isn't anything and and I held off for a bit because I was like well that's not what we do and then it was like well why wouldn't we um, and that's that market isn't as big as our gifts for women, but it's yeah. it's growing. Um, and then also 
we did a kids package, which has been great. And it's lovely because again, there's not, there's nothing else where you can hand pick bits and it'll get pulled together and then wrapped, gift wrapped and a handwritten tag. And that's what we do. Like most of our packages, I think 70% are create your own where people don't, we've got our set packages that make it easier for people that don't want to have to think about it. But because our customers do tend to be thoughtful um, and they want to get the right thing, they will hand pick items. I've got an idea for you. Pull it together. Oh, go on. <laughs> so I've got my last term of uni that I'm going back to after this Easter break. I would love mm-hmm. a university prepare for deadlines kind of stay hydrated. <laughs> well, like a revision. Package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we do. The thing is, because of the products we have, we basically have that. So if you on our website the create your own you've got categories so there's like beauty um and relaxing and food and drink and books and entertainment relaxing yeah Yeah. well and what we again what we find which which is really reassuring actually for what we do is that customers will pick they tend to get a mixture of categories because a lot of hamper type companies it will be all food and drink or all Mm. beauty and actually what we're trying what we wanted to create was like more of an experience so you get the bubble bath with the candle with the face mask with the glass of wine or you know so it's that that is more about TLC than I think a lot of other companies do and that's yeah and then obviously the the job of the team so we can't pre-pack anything everything's bespoke um which has its challenges again but then it's all beautifully gift wrapped and the handwritten tag which again is something I don't think we can ever lose because it Mm. always gets commented on because it does make it feel personal definitely quite often we get older people saying that uh, customers saying that their granny or someone thought that they had written the tag and you're like that's really sweet (laughs) you know I love that because that's kind of so as much as I think that buying like cards online and doing the photo cards but you (laughs) just want that handwritten message in there Mm -hmm. um so it's it's great that you guys have got the right balance of that as well um so we were obviously introduced by a home start so home start for those that don't know is a charity that helped um me and my family in when we lost my mum at the age of four mm. um, and you know they came into our lives and my brother was six months old um, and they really kind of gave us the support through a volunteer that you know has been the biggest blessing that I've had in my life mm. um, so my brother of recent has become a trustee for the charity down in Exeter um, which we're so proud of him um, and to be so young he's only 25 and become a trustee oh wow um, yeah so he's a, a little superhero and he's got the kind of full you know having started with home start seeing what they've been able to do and and sadly we lost our volunteer grandma Paula around I think it was about six years ago but you know right. she's made such a big difference to us so I was really proud when I saw that you guys had decided to partner with them yeah. and support them in March and that's kind of how our um, relationship formed yeah um, I got a couple of questions you know why did you choose to to partner with home start and yeah kind of how much does that mean to you the work that they do as well I think it's for us we the charity piece so it's something that I think the first Mother's Day we had which would have been 2015 March 2015 it just felt like something we should be doing I feel like gifting and the people that get to receive the gifts they're probably you know they will have a certain amount of money and um and we're making money, you know, essentially we're making money with that. And I feel like as a thoughtful gift company to, to really 
breathe, live and breathe all those values that putting something back in or putting something out is really key. So, so we've worked with a few different charities and I've worked with um, stand up to cancer. We've got a package that we developed with them Fantastic. and we give some money from them. And, and actually in 2020, because I felt a guilt actually at, at, because like my brother, one of my brothers runs a pub and he was absolutely screwed, you know, during a pandemic yeah. and, and still will be. And so I think we ended up in 2020 giving away 30,000 pounds to, to a couple of different charities because I just, I just felt like we should. I just felt like I had a sense of duty because also, you know, you're, the, new, the news is so depressing. You're watching everybody mm. struggling and it just felt wrong to be like, oh, well, we've made loads of money and I'm going to have a nice back dividend. So yeah, Homestar, again, I think we did some work with them in tw- for Mother's Day in 2021. I think the fit with it is it's very much obviously about family and supporting families and that ties with us for Mother's Day. And again, that some mums... Uh, getting a lovely package at Mother's Day and they might have their family around them and then other people don't have their mum or they don't have their family around them. And Mm. so could we tie the two together to make sure that we're doing something there? And obviously through donation and and sharing about the charity, I think is important and what they do because like you, people sharing their story is so critical for that as well, because it's really hard to get people to engage with a charity unless they have a personal story. But mm. if you bring in people, you can really bring that to life. And, and as well, I, I can't believe sort of how um like how overwhelmed they were to hear our story because we were like, well, you guys do this day in, day out. You know, yeah, why yeah, why is it such a like you know, why are you so honored for us to tell you how much we've helped you? Because but I guess you're right. It kind of goes back to that piece. And I, and I always think, you know, if a tenant comes and stays at a property or a landlord that I've worked with, and if they leave a review, I know I'm just doing my job, but actually the fact that they've gone out of their way to like leave a review or share how the experience has been, it's like, Oh, that's really nice to hear, you know? Mm. So yeah, mm. no, can't, can't thank um, home start enough. And yeah. I guess, you know, we might have other sort of listeners that are thinking of maybe collaborating with charities, other brands, um, yeah. and you know, how do founders go about creating those relationships and collaborations? I think having a reason behind that link is really important. So obviously I've I've said about the home start and the idea of family and mothers and how important that is to the business and the and the thoughtfulness of that. But I think also like with stand up to cancers my husband was diagnosed with cancer when I was pregnant with our first baby and so it completely made sense and he's okay but he he still has cancer it's not a curable cancer but he you wouldn't know he's this massive strong rugby looking guy he's not but it's obviously cancer affects one in two people um will actually affect everyone because if you're not going to get it then someone close to you is and so yeah it, it but it made sense I guess I think that's the key thing with any kind of partnership or collaboration. It's like ha- making it make sense. So for us, it meant I could share some of my story with Standard to Cancer, which so it doesn't look like you're just, I guess, going on the back of, oh, well, that people wagon. like that cancer. Yeah, people yeah. like that cancer. I think like when, when Marcus Rashford was obviously all over the news, we talked about doing something with like a food bank that we'd already been talking about. And it's like, actually, do you know what? It, it very much looks like, and there were lots of people who were suddenly doing loads of stuff with food banks. Yeah. And obviously, that's really important. And raising money for people is really important. But I think if you're a small business or a growing business, that it needs to all make sense. So from a mm. brand perspective, what, what are your 
um, beliefs? What are your views? What's your story? And then tying in with that and, and spending some time to think about that, because also you get approached. But I might get charities messaging me all the time, especially once they see that you've worked with a charity. Yeah. You get loads. It's like, but it, you can't do all of them. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah, kind of just going back to what aligns with the business and the brand yeah, and, yeah. and what you're trying to do. And you also have an amazing podcast. You've got so many incredible people on there. I mean, Annie Mack for me is just the legend of <laughs> legends. Great. Yeah. And, um, you know, why did you start the podcast and sort of w- what are the main topics for anybody that's listening that also wants to listen to Steph's podcast? So I think the the purpose of it was, very, I mean, very much my marketing team are like, you should be doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to just do a business podcast or I didn't want to just do one that didn't fit, again, fit with, with the values of Don't Buy Her Flowers. And actually the blog was very much about people in a certain stage of life. And so really the podcast feels like an extension of, of the blog and I don't have the time to kind of write that I did and I don't know that people are reading as much anyway but the podcast feels like a natural way and and we can tie it in with the business by the yeah the themes so whether that it could be cancer or grief or it could just be women feeling overwhelmed and we talk about the rush hour that lots of us are in which yeah it could be you know when you're moving into your I don't know I mean age-wise it could be somewhere from mid-20s to mid-40s but it's that period of life where you might be having a family you're trying to do a career you might have a partner and you're trying to juggle it all as well as keep up on social media and not look a complete wreck and all that stuff and so it's so the theme is quite broad really yeah but we can tie it in with different bits so before mother's day we could do a load on motherhood and we did a motherhood series we've got father's day coming up and we'll do a father's day series so it still ties in with you should get my dad on it (laughs) (laughs) he He doesn't like speaking (laughs) yeah it very much ties in with um what with the business because you also we've had um authors who have written books that we stock at don't buy her flowers so you can always link it back um and I think that's a key bit for us it's not it can't just be a podcast where I talk to lots of random people it's like how does that time with the business so that you can include some messaging about the business so it's another you've got on your father's day series we've got there's a couple still waiting to confirm we've got a really interesting guy called Matthew Frey actually who's who's written a book about um this is how your marriage ends and it's about relationships but from a male perspective it's it's so interesting it's led to a lot of debate in my head um and we've got who else have we got we've got Jonathan Kirkby who him and his partner had a baby via surrogate so it's just trying to tell different stories I think so yeah we've got we've got a few lined up I think we're still waiting for a couple to confirm but Mm. that's all in the mix at the moment and something you just said obviously about sort of running the business running the socials running the podcast like balancing everything as you said trying to look fab and great and remembering remembering to post every day because the algorithms and all of that yeah how I know you know and then there's that whole thing where you shouldn't ask a woman how she balances everything because she's asked men I think you should yeah but you know what we haven't got equality yet so I think you do have to ask them because we are doing the majority of the the childcare and the household and all that stuff that is not equal yet (laughs) it's not going to go away for for a little while so um thank you for allowing me to ask you that question but how do you do it all (laughs) Well, I don't. I think half the time I'm, I feel really overwhelmed. I think, I think, I think for me, the one of the biggest things, and again, that's why I mentioned the guy with the relationship book. 
is trying to work out, I, I, regardless of what other people do in their house, is kind of working out what your relationship is going to look like and how childcare is going to work and how support is going to work. And you just do not think of that when you ma- meet someone and fall in love and marry them. And I think, and I, I, I can only speak for kind of a heterosexual relationship, but with us, we have different views of what it is to be in our relationship and we're both really influenced whether we like it or not whether we even realize it or not by what our parents did and the, yeah. a, a traditional role of a woman and a man and it's very hard to to rid that but it can lead to loads of resentment if if you slip into those roles and mm. you work full-time or whether you'd work full-time or not like it's still really challenging I think definitely and I, I think there's a lot of focus on flexible working which is really important but I think the for me the key that that I don't think anyone's really got right is starting at home because if you have that support with each other at home and you figure that out then you can both work or you can choose that one of you is going to take the lead role in working and one of you but it's not already decided you know because it's the traditional way of doing it before you even get there um so yeah I mean we row a lot (laughs) (laughs) And we try and figure it out. And we, in fact, this morning we had a conversation and then it ended with a hug and like, we will, we'll get there. We'll work it out. Oh, so we're still figuring it out. And we've got an 11 year old, you know, it takes right. time and it changes all the time because your jobs change and your responsibilities yeah. to your family change. And so, um, but with social media, I, I do a lot less than I used to because I just can't. And I, and it makes you feel bad to be, you know, I'm not an influencer. There was a period probably a few years ago where I was being offered because I had a decent size following. I was being offered loads of stuff and I did a few ads and it didn't make me feel particularly good. Mm. Um, and I have a business that felt greedy, really, because it's like, well, that's my focus and it needs me. You know, I, yeah. I it really does, especially with the team having grown. So to do that and then go, oh, well, I can post something for five grand. I mean, it's the money is crazy. Right. Um, but it just didn't sit right. It would make me feel really, really anxious. So I'll probably yeah. feel like an idiot for that in a few years. But but I think you have to work out what works for you. And again, it's it's different. But Annie Mack had some really good, actually had that episode of the podcast. She had some really interesting points about social media and and trying to find a way to do it that doesn't leave you feeling really rubbish brilliant so yeah everyone should go listen to that Mm. just a final few questions I could absolutely keep you all day and just keep asking you questions because I feel like in this episode you're not only getting sort of business advice but you're getting mum advice you're getting (laughs) like relationship advice I'm I'm gonna start doing mentoring sessions yeah (laughs) Um, but you know you've talked about kind of the teams that you've worked with and the Mm. relationships that you've had which are relying on kind of whether it's like the right family members or um you know friends how how, how do you continue to get the best out of those teams? And obviously you are now working remotely. How, mm. how are you doing that? I think it's, it's, I mean, it sounds really obvious, but it's communication. It's making sure you keep in communicating um, with everybody. And that has become a massive part of my job really um, along with my brother, but that constant communication. And so like making sure we have the, the calls every week where everyone goes through their stuff everyone can feel heard everyone can raise issues and hopefully trying to make everyone feel that they can say well I'm not sure about this or can I have some help with this like that reassurance mm. piece is really important um and recognizing that everyone is also a human who will have a load of 
shit going on behind them, whether that's with their family or their children or friendships or illness or so again, being human about it. So mm. that, and I, I think we, we've like, we, at the moment, we don't know where orders are going to land. And we were so busy the last couple of years and the start of the year has been really busy. And now we've been in Easter holidays and it's a bit quieter and you have to go, right, what do we need to cut or what do we need to be careful of? Where do we need to be careful? And I know that I can have that conversation with the team and no one's going to panic. And, it, you know, they all know that my absolute priority is everyone gets paid. Yeah, <laughs> that's without goes without saying. So it's I think I don't feel panicky because I think I know I've got this amazing team and they will all muck in if we need to. And everyone will be on the you know shop floor packing orders if we need to. Um, so I think there's that, I think, yeah, leading by example, being also being able to muck in and also empowering people. I think I've heard a lot of business owners say that they really struggle with delegating. And I find that really interesting because you just can't do it. You cannot, you can't. And, and it will, you, so it's finding the right people that you feel confident. And again, maybe for me, that was not everyone is friends and family, but some of them are, and I trust them implicitly. And, and especially because I'm not there, you know, that the warehouse is in Gloucestershire. I'm down there every week, but I'm not there all the time. So I have to have trusted them. Definitely. And I guess, you know, to continue your learning and, you know, listening to podcasts and stuff, what, what, what do you do in your own time to sort of um, continue that learning? And also, is there any UK entrepreneurs at the minute that you're like, you got, you know, you're doing really well. I enjoy watching your journey. Just trying to think here. So I think, um, yeah, I think being able to listen to other people and take in, you know, and being really open to what other people are suggesting. And I think you have to choose quite carefully who you're listening to, because I I know at the beginning, everybody wanted to tell me how I should be doing it and what I should do with the business. And it was so overwhelming. I ended up with a really small group of people who I told about business because Mm. otherwise people go, no, you want to do this. Oh, you should be selling this. And you like, it's like, oh God, I just need to stay really, really focused. Yeah. I think having people who you can talk to who are further along the journey than you, who will be really honest um, and I, I think the idea of mentoring is, I, I don't think you necessarily have to have one person who is, or two people who are you go to about everything. I think I've found it's more knowing when I need to have that conversation with someone mm-hmm. and finding them and being okay with being able to pick up a phone or meet with someone and say, what would you do if you were me? Like I'm, or I'm having this issue with someone or whatever it is yeah. and have those conversations. So there's a guy, um, James Lusada, who was the CEO of Quintessential Brand Group and we stock Bloom Gin. So I'd met him at an event for Bloom Gin and I messaged him and he said, oh, if ever you want to ask anything, you know, feel free. And normally you kind of go, yeah, yeah, and walk away. And actually I I messaged him and was just like, I'd actually really love to have a chat. And sometimes it's just reassuring because they might tell, say, well, if I were you, I'd be doing this. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Great. Or sometimes someone might challenge you. But I think that knowing when you need to speak to someone and then seeking them out is really important because otherwise you're in your own bubble and they might say one sentence from an hour's conversation that is the bit that you go well that's what I need to be doing Mm. and so what's next for sort of uh, don't buy her flowers so we um corporate is how there's a big growing area for us so that's going to be really interesting to see where that goes I think I've it's also working out where we kind of land Um, and we're developing new packages and things all the time. The last couple of years gave us the funding to 
um, build a new website, which is is pretty complicated, but great because that, you know, that's ours. And also putting in a stock management system, which is much more complicated because a few years ago we could have looked at the shelf and gone, oh, we've got 20 of those. And now obviously it's it's much bigger and much more complicated. Um, So all of that stuff going on and building the team. And I think it could be investment. It could be at some point that that's where we go. Um, So I, I don't know exactly. I think we were all set with plans and then the pandemic happened and then all the plans went out the window because we just had to operate. Everything became about operations. Really. We didn't have to market. It was mad. We turned off all our advertising and it still was huge. Um, So now operationally, we're really set. The team are like, come on then bring it because we know what we're doing and we can do (laughs) more so it's going it's sort of flipped again to going right now we need to reach more people and and get out there and make sure people know who we are and make sure our products are still the best and our packages are still the best and all that stuff so that's where we're at at the moment but having close conversations about what would investment look like um what you know that's kind of next what avenues to go down it's interesting because I know a lot of people have been asking me like what's next after Cambridge and I think I've just started to get comfortable with I don't know yet. I've Mm. really looked forward to this process for a long time. And if I, I'm very good at planning ahead, Mm -hmm. but I'm also, I think just now as I'm getting a bit older, I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. And I'll cross that bridge. And I've always had a safety net and I've always managed to get on to the next thing but right now like I can't see that yet so I'm just going to keep enjoying it so yeah as much as I love asking that question well no and I think you a lot of the time it's like especially if someone has taken investment it's like so what's your exit strategy what's the five-year plan all that stuff and we haven't so it is a bit different and and that is where we're at now like what do we want to do um and every now and then I get people going well you'd never sell it would you like of course I would like I want I've worked really hard like running a business is hard yeah um I would like to know that at some point there's some big fat payout and I you know can buy my house or whatever yes. and, I, and I don't feel weird to say that it's not yet though I I still feel like there's so much we can do we still got yeah. loads of ideas that have been thrown out at different times and it's like not yet not yet not yet yeah um, but again if you take investment all of that can happen much quicker so it's a real balance but I the business is very much ours it's mine and the teams and we have been able to do it at a pace and going back to what you're talking about juggling like I do have three children and I want to be in their lives and I have a partner who I do actually like and I want to be able to go on (laughs) holiday with and so it is a balance and I think sometimes we're ashamed to say that because it has Mm. to be all about like all the big stories you hear about Stephen Bartlett's and all that and I know you had him on and he's amazing but it's all about the speed yeah and that crazy growth and there are so the percentage of businesses and people like that is so small but those are the stories you you always hear can agree more like Forbes 30 under 30 like that's brilliant but there's also lots of us that are self-employed and just hustling every day and quite happy with the lifestyle businesses that we're creating around yeah and can still grow a decent sized business and can still pay a load of people and create a culture where people love coming to work and all of those things are all so I think the key bit here and maybe it's a big message for anyone who's running a business or wants to run a business I think I've learned to be okay with maybe I'm not gonna take 50 million and do this and you know in three years it's this but what does success look like for me for my situation for my family what is that and being okay with that not necessarily being the story that you see on Dragon's Den um, absolutely because I think and I think that's really important 
Amazing. And what's the kind of, what advice would you give to your younger self, Steph? I feel like, <laughs> oh God, she was doing all right. The younger me, I think I, um, I probably could have pushed myself harder at certain times, but then I was also living and having great friends who I now work with and yeah. love. So I think, yeah, I think I um, probably had all the same angst that people have when they're young. Yeah. And just to reassure you and go, it's going to all work out okay. I love that. And my my final question to all my guests is what do you want to be remembered for? Because I I always think that we've decided to go against the grain and, you know, there's no guarantee that life's forever. But in all that you've sort of done, what what do you want to be remembered for? I think it would have to be something about authenticity, because I feel like with the blog and the podcast and my social media and all that stuff and the business it's like that I want there to be a genuineness to that and that's the thing that I have to probably work really hard not to lose so that doesn't become about or only the numbers or only the growth and the things that we that can take over us as it gets bigger um so yeah I think that's what I would like that's incredible. And I started the conversation for those that are listening. I spoke to Steph and I said, I always do a prequel because I like to get to know my guests and, you know, we haven't done that. So let's see how the episode goes. And honestly, it's probably one of my favorite conversations. Yeah. <laughs> you said authenticity. There is just so much realness that oozes from you in all of the lessons that you teach um, and everything that you've done for, for mothers in the UK and just kind of changing that mindset also just being real about the experience and sort of having those taboo conversations before it's time. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for sharing all your expertise and can't wait to see, um, you know, what you guys go on to do. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode and how incredible is Steph and her team. I absolutely love her story and I think they're doing incredible stuff, really kind of breaking into sort of the corporate gifting ideas, the letterbox ideas and just something for everyone. And actually talking about kind of the motherhood and, you know, the ups and downs of that is something I don't think we've quite touched on the podcast. So I definitely took a lot away from the conversation and I hope you did too. As always, if you found it useful, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and I'll see you next week with another exciting guest. Take care.